Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, to look at the sanctity of life. And Lord, we thank you for the praise reports of the lives that have been touched thus far. And we know your Holy Spirit is active. Your Holy Spirit is moving. Lord, we thank you for what's taking place, um, not only on the sidewalks, but in personal homes, over the internet. So many ways, the, the negative side of the internet, but there's also positive sides. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ in the mission field. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Russia right now, in the Ukraine, and those surrounding nations, Lord, uh, that you would use them in a mighty way to get people saved, Lord. So many people displaced. We pray for those divine appointments that your word says that you align up, that we, even maybe here in America, as some are seeking refuge in America, that we'd have those, uh, be aware of those divine appointments whether they're coming from Honduras or the Ukraine, whatever the case may be, that we'll be ready to be used for you, by you, for you, Lord. We just thank you for the morning. ask for the gift of teaching, Lord, that you'll be glorified in and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, the topical is called the sanctity of life. And if you're new or visiting, we're going through the 2 Corinthians. Um, We don't do topicals very often, but this is a special day, so it's going to be sanctity of life. And Webster's 1828 uh, definition of sanctity is this. Holiness, state of being sacred or holy. And I'm going to focus on sacred. So state of being sacred or holy. God attributes no sanctity to place. And I'll explain that to place. Goodness, I'm going to talk about that. Goodness, purity, godliness as the sanctity of love, sanctity of manners. And so it was God's presence in a place or building. This is vital here, as we just saw that definition. It was God's presence in a place or building that sanctified that place or building not the place or building in and of itself. And I've explained this many times, but you might be new to the faith. Because often people say, well, I'm going to church this Sunday. And it's okay to say that, because yes, we're going to a building. But if you're a believer, you are the church. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, so you are the church. So this building is not sanctified. You know, Some people say, well, certain things shouldn't happen in this building because it's a holy place. No. When we gather, we make it holy. They're just two by sixes and shingles that need to be replaced and, you know, things that fall apart. We want to make sure we understand that. It is the saints who come together in this place that now sets the place apart and in more real terms, sanctifies the gatherings. Sanctifies the gatherings. Two or three. Not two or three hundred, two or three. You see, Bible-believing Christians have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, setting us apart, showing the world of God's holiness and God's goodness. And in and of myself, I have no holiness dwelling within me. And my actions at times obviously proves that. I'm just like you. But any holiness that comes out of my life comes through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. 
So first and foremost, we shouldn't be surprised with this issue of abortion because the Holy Spirit convicts the believer of the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life. So if we're going to have compassion, if we're going to reach the unbeliever with the truth of the sanctity of life, we need to make sure that we understand why life is considered sanctified. Why do we consider it sanctified? Well, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you as a Bible-believing Christian can believe those ten words right there, the rest of the scriptures are not going to be hard to believe. Well, what about Noah? What about Jonah? What about this? What? If you believe that, oh, the rest of it is easy. So it all goes back. Our foundation as Christians all goes back to these words. In the beginning, either God created or God didn't create. It's that simple. You're either a believer or you're not. You can believe in science or you can believe in the word of God. We believe in both. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created all life as we know it. Every living thing came through what? The holiness, the goodness, and the love of God. I'm talking about the very beginning, which we're going to look at in Genesis here. This is the first point of why all life is considered sacred. All life. So yes, we're zeroing in on on preborns, but all life is considered sacred in the eyes of God. I I was raised on a farm. It was a funny farm. It wasn't a working farm. Uh, we raised pigs, chickens, but my next-door neighbor had a working farm. And so we came to understand very early on that life, all life, is precious. And when you take the life of an animal, it's not fun. Something happens in your heart as you're taking the life of this animal. And it's not that you become immune to it or desensitized. I, I don't think that ever goes away. Because you realize as a human being, you are literally taking a life, and this life is precious. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 1, 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and the beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And as you read the scriptures, Jesus is the creator and Jesus spoke creation into being. Just keep that in your mind as we're hearing, listening here. He spoke everything into being. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Very, very important. In the image of God, he created him male and female. God, he, capital H, God created them. Now stay there, but I just, I'm going to put up a slide here. I inserted Genesis 2-7 because this is very important. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. Everything else Jesus spoke into being. But at this point, God gathers dust to create man. His hands are intimately involved with man, with Adam specifically. 
And notice what it says, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Personal, intimate. We don't see this with anything else. God spoke it, the animals immediately started breathing. doesn't say this about any other creature except for mankind. Very, very important. And man became a living being. Now as we continue on, verse 28, Genesis 1. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, notice this, I have given every green herb for food. So this is prior to the fall, and so it was. So every animal was eating was vegetarians. Every single animal. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So this is the first point of why all life is considered sacred to me. All life. Because God created all life as we know it. I see the second point of why life is considered sacred is this. No other creature of all the creatures that God created, think about all, you know, when you go to the zoo, when you take your little ones to the zoo, all those creatures, and that's just a portion, all of those creatures, God, God spoke those all into being, but mankind was made in the image of God. And notice God did something unique in creation with mankind, as I've already mentioned, he breathed He breathed this in his nostrils, the breath of life. And that's why our spiritual enemy, why am I emphasizing this? Because that is why our spiritual enemy desires to deceive mankind. Deception is first, Revelation 12, 9, John 10, 10 is second, to steal, kill, and destroy. But deception comes first. Abortion? Oh, it's just a bunch of mucus. It's not not formed. It's nothing. Don't worry about it. Deceive, deceive, deceive. Deception, lies. Again, and that's why our, our spiritual enemy desires to deceive mankind. God, where we are created in man, God's image, believer as well as what? Unbeliever. So important. As we go out on the sidewalk, even the doctor who's performing the abortion is created in God's image. So prayer, as we've already talked about, prayer is vital. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. So important. Now, this doesn't mean that every human being is a child of God. Again, some people skew that. The scriptures clearly teach us that we're not. If you read the morning reading today with, with our daily reading in Ephesians, uh, you found out that we were children of wrath before we received Christ as our Savior. It makes it very clear. The fact remains, though, that every human being is created in his image. You see, it takes acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and that's called repentance. So if you're here this morning, and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you can receive Jesus as your Savior by doing what? Acknowledging you're a sinner, and you're accepting that repentance that God is granting to you, and you're saying, I need a Savior. I will receive Jesus as my Savior. You then become a child of God. John 1, 11 and 12 says this, 
He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus came to the Jews, and the Jews rejected him as the Messiah. But as many as received him, Jew or Gentile, and why did he come to the Jews? Because the Jews had the word of God. They should have known about the Messiah, and if they would have been in Daniel specifically studying, they would have known the exact day when the Messiah was coming into Jerusalem, which Jesus fulfilled. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So as we go out, we're ministering to children of wrath, just like you and I used to be. But somebody ministered to me, and somebody ministered to you, a believer, and you then became a believer. And we need to remember that. As we go out and minister to people in our neighborhoods, or we pray for people on TV who are yelling and screaming things, or maybe somebody who comes against you, start to pray for them. Start to pray for them. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. Genesis 2.3 says this, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified. So now here's sanctified. And this word means to consecrate, to dedicate, to be holy, to be separate. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So in this topical message this morning, it's important to remember, so vital to remember that God knows everything that has taken place, everything that is taking place right now, including in our government, and everything that is going to take place Past, present, we do not know the future, but God already does. Since that's a fact, and since he dwells outside of our time constraints, he knows what is going to take place right now in our society. And because of that, we can find mental and emotional rest. Rest. And that's a study in and of itself in the book of Hebrews. We are told to labor, to enter into his rest. It goes back to this right here. God is resting. God is not mad. God is not frustrated. God is not angry. For God so loves the world. But the wrath of God does abide on the unbeliever, which we are all at one time. So now we've come to understand the love of God. But we need to find that rest, even in this issue of abortion. And that's why we don't go out and yell and scream and get angry and get mad because I, I would venture to say that you didn't get saved because somebody was yelling and screaming and angry and mad at you. They showed you the love of God. They showed you the, the goodness of God. Now, they may have told you, you know what, like I said, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. That's not out of anger. That's not out of hate. That's out of fact. There's heaven and there's a hell. And we don't want anyone to go to hell. So that's why we say, come to know Jesus so you can go to heaven. Now, as we enter that rest, we can find the peace and the comfort of God in what's taking place in our culture. Ah, but we need to be careful that we don't become complacent, lackadaisical, apathetic. No, we need to be aware of what's happening in our society and through the power of the Holy Spirit do our part to bring people to what? The heart of the issue, which is the issue of the heart. Why would anyone go for an abortion? Well, why would anybody drive drunk? Why would anyone murder somebody? Why would somebody walk into a grocery store and start shooting up a grocery store? 
That question can be asked of so many things, guys. And it all comes back to the heart. Where's my heart? Where's your heart? Is our heart to see people saved? Then we're going to pray for people. We're going to take the word of God to people. We're going to do what we can do in our sphere of influence, because I'm not going to change Washington. (laughs) But there's other people there that have that possible influence that I'm praying for, that have those connections. But it all comes down to praying and using the word of God. So the first point of sanctity of life is that God created all life as we know it through his holiness, goodness, and love. The second point, mankind and only mankind was recreated in his image, a representative of the Godhead. And I have to say this next part so that no one construes something incorrectly. No human being will ever become a God. Mormonism promotes this. It's not biblical. Other religions may promote this. It is not biblical. You and I will never become a God. But we are a representative of God's heavenly body. And that's a whole study again in and of itself. But let's remember we're focusing on the sanctity of life this morning. So in Genesis 8, 3, 8, we read this. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Get that mental picture. Sin, we know from the Bible, and God cannot coexist. That's why we cannot look upon God, because we are sinners, even as saints. But here, before the fall, God had intimate fellowship with Adam and Eve. They got together on a regular basis and fellowship. What that looks like, the Bible doesn't exactly tell us, so I'm not going to say anything more than that. But it does tell us that God was walking in the garden. And who was he looking for? An elephant? A giraffe? He said, hey, I want to go to the zoo today. No, he came because he wanted to have intimate fellowship with Adam and Eve. He was looking for Adam and Eve. And where were Adam and Eve? Why were they hiding? Because they had a relationship with God, and all of a sudden their eyes were opened because Eve was deceived, Adam deliberately disobeyed. Notice that. Eve was deceived. Adam deliberately disobeyed. And now their eyes were open that they now had entered a sinful state and they were naked. Before that, they were naked and not ashamed to stand in front of God or stand in front of each other. No issues. Everything is pure. Everything is holy. Everything is good. Everything's going great. But they entered that sinful state. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Isn't that amazing that everything was perfect? Or we could say holy, sacred, good in the garden. Peaceful harmony. Something that we cannot even imagine or comprehend, but that's the way it was. The third point that I'd like to make about the sanctity of life is that even within the realization of free will, because we do have free will, God has control over our lives. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, let's look at some scriptures. I encourage you to write these down or take a picture, Exodus 19.5, so that as this comes to you, because it's come to the national attention, obviously, they might overturn Roe versus Wade. So now women are women. It's amazing how women all of a sudden became women again. You want to go to the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by arguing, 
arguing political policies. Faith comes by hearing. Now, therefore, you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Now, if, sorry. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, God speaking, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. Notice what I have underlined there. For all the earth is mine. It's God's. Now, we know the God of this world has authority, but it's still limited authority. Still limited. Daniel 5, 22 through 23. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, Daniel speaking to the king. This is the same Daniel who was ministering to Nebuchadnezzar. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, those vessels that were taken from Jerusalem that Nebuchadnezzar took to Babylon. And you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold. Does that happen today at all? I don't know if you've heard about that this week. But Bitcoin? The top ten coins. Electronic money? uh, Several of them now, this week, have added... uh, I forget what it's called... Come out of computer person. What's it? You know, you click on it and then it shoots you to another website. What, what, what's that called? Hyperlink. hyperlink. They added a hyperlink to their sites that will take people to suicide prevention. Testimonies this week of people who have lost everything. They had invested so much money, they're going to lose their house, they're going to be homeless. One of the top 10 coins was worth $100 two weeks ago. If you had a coin, and it's not a little coin. You know, it's all just numbers, digits. But if you had purchased one coin that was worth $100, this past week, it's now worth $1. So if you had $200,000 of physical, you know, your money invested in that, you do the math of how much you got now. That's why they had to attach it, because they know it's going to take place. People are going to take their lives because they're worshiping the God of what? Bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And, and that's why I have this underlined, the God who holds your breath, Daniel says to Belshazzar. The God who holds your breath, Belshazzar, and owns all your ways. You have not glorified. How about Psalm 139.16? You saw me before I was born, out of the New Living Translation. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Praise God. This is for every single human being. Believer or unbeliever. Doesn't matter. God knows every single human being. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body, now speaking to the Christian, the believer, so you and I this morning, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You see, when we were unbelievers, we lived as if we were our own, even though God was still in control of our lives, so to speak, even in amongst free will, and you'll rack your brain with that study. 
But now that when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we're no longer our own. I just can't say, well, I'm going to go do this or that. I mean, I can, but I really should be praying and saying, God, do you want me to do this or that? Is that your will? Why? For you are bought at a price, the cross, the cross. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So from my perspective, the first point of the sanctity of life is that God created all life as we know it through his holiness, goodness, and love. Second point, mankind and only mankind was created in his image, a representative of the Godhead. The third point is that even within the realization of free will, God has control over our lives. So as we deal with this current issue of abortion that has been taking place for almost 60 years now in America, 60 years, with over 64 million reported abortions, just those that are reported, we need to remind people the facts. Every human life is sacred. Every human life is sacred. Every human life is precious. Every human life, whether in the womb or out of the womb, whether born from, with some type of medical issue or not, is worth fighting for. And how do we fight that fight? Very important that we bring this up so that nobody gets skewed and does, thinks anything crazy. Through prayer, that's how we fight the fight, through prayer, through the word of God, as we just talked about this morning, just a few verses, there's hundreds more, through being peacefully active in politics and in society, through being peacefully active in politics and in society, with those who are pro-life and with those who are pro-death. Why? Second Peter 3.9. This is our ultimate goal, guys. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness. But is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. That word perish there is eternal separation from God. Not just dying, because God knows everybody's going to die. But eternal separation from God. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even the abortionists, God wants them to come to repentance. God wants them to come to salvation. Even those who are helping, the nurses, the administration, whoever that might be, God wants them to be saved. And that's our goals as representatives of Christ. Let's wrap it up with 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as the music team comes up. 2 Corinthians 4, to comfort our hearts a little bit. on how could this happen? How could there be over 64 million Americans murdered over the last 59 years? How could this take place in supposedly a Christian nation where our money says in God we trust? Well, it's because we're not a Christian nation. We're a nation. We're a corrupt nation that has Christians in it. And so as we continue to do our part, God has a plan and a purpose. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, since we have this ministry, and it's the ministry of reconciliation, as we have therefore received mercy, do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Notice that. Man's there is mankind, men and women. Why do you believe in pro-life? Because well, I'm a Republican. Dumb answer. It's nothing to do with being a Republican. I'm a Christian. I believe in the Word of God. And you take them to the Word of God. You show them that all life is sacred. But even if our gospel is veiled, notice this, it is veiled to those who are perishing. I was perishing. Anybody else in this room, were you ever perishing? 
You were perishing. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded. I was blinded. I was doing things. I was driving. I could have had a prison ministry. I could have killed somebody with the way I was driving under the influence. Thank God I don't. But I could have. Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. It shined on me. I believed. It shined on you. You believed. That's why we're on this side now. But don't forget, we used to be on that side. We were all blinded at one time. So don't let hate or bitterness or wrath well in your heart about any of this, you know, over gun control or abortion or race issue or this. Go back to the word of God. One race, the human race. God's got a plan and a purpose behind all these things. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Christ's sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Remember we read it in Genesis? Who has shown in our hearts the same God. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Guys, as we go, and I encourage you to sign up, I encourage you to come out Saturday, we go with the face of Jesus. This week as you fast and pray, you go with the face of Jesus, with the heart of Jesus, not just for abortion, but for anyone who might have an issue. Be ready to be used of God this week. Because why? All life is sacred. We've read it. All life is sacred. But human beings, it's a step up. We're made in the image of God. So no matter what, who crosses your path, no matter whatever the human crosses your path, remember, image bearer. They're not a child of God per se, but they're at least an image bearer. God, help me to minister to them that they might become one of your sons, one of your daughters. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be active. And we know what's going on in our society. We know we can't necessarily change our whole country, but that's not the point. Your word says that we have a sphere of influence, those six, eight, ten people around us, around our lives, that are watching us, that are looking at us. So you're a Christian, eh? How do you talk? How do you walk? What do you listen to? Father, that's our sphere of influence. Help us to be aware of that. Help us to be ready for that. And Lord, as we pray and fast this week about uh, the sanctity of life and abortion and this issue, uh, raise our awareness, whatever that looks like to us individually. Maybe some of us are super aware. Maybe some of us are, are not aware at all. So Lord, your will be done in our lives individually, but also corporately, Lord, as we commit to gathering this coming Saturday morning and going out and walking and singing and praying and praising and and hearing speakers share about your goodness, your faithfulness of saving lives. Lord, we just want to be used by you for your glory. So do a work this week in this church and in every single church that's sponsoring these 40 weeks, Lord. Do a work for your glory. We thank you for the wonderful praise that we've already heard about, the souls that have been touched, the babies that have been saved, the, the souls that have been saved. What a blessing, Lord, to get such a good report. Continue to use us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.